0: was, um, <clears throat> you're going to have to forgive me. I have a cold. I've had a cold since Wednesday and uh, wasn't planning on preaching tonight, so I didn't really have to worry about it. But uh, last night, Tony called and uh, asked me to do this. So, uh, y'all just pray for my voice and uh, that I can get through it. Um, on the way up here tonight, I was thinking about um, how long I've been working with students and children, uh, with students. And, um, if my numbers are right, and if they're not, Emily will correct me later. Um, about five and a half years, uh, I believe, is, is about right. I've been helping uh, in some way or shape or form, whether paid or, or volunteer, with students for about five and a half years. <coughs> Student ministry is a... Uh, at times can be fun. Most of the time it is a lot of fun. It's also very challenging. and And it's also a lot of sometimes kind of going on the seat of your pants and making decisions and changing as they change and trying to keep them and hold their attention. And the first few years of my ministry, working with students, well, let me say this. Every minister that you'll ever meet has some sort of theme. They have some some passion, a passion, outside of God. It's a God-given passion that drives them. And I, one of my best friends is a student minister in Tennessee. His, his uh, ministry theme is about unity and church community. And, and he drives that. He just hammers that into his students about the importance of being together and being united as one. My ministry for three years, uh, almost four years, has always been about love and serving others. And, and I think God has taken the loving aspect of, of what, he, what he's put in, inside of me about loving people and helping people and is evidenced by the fact that I love helping with hunger. I love helping to um, serve impoverished uh, people. Um, and I like to empower our students to do that. But there's a, a new aspect of ministry that God has began to lay on my heart over the last several months. And, and it's something that it, it's not a new direction. It's the next step. And, and I started thinking several months ago, what do I want our students to be like? What do I want them to be when they leave Woodlawn Baptist Church? I have them for seven years, sixth grade through twelfth grade. And, and it's my job to help the parents to develop them, to develop their morals and their ethics and to ground them to a foundation based on God. Because this world is telling them so many different lies outside of what the Word of God tells them. And so I've felt for a long time it is my job to help the parents. And so over the last several months, I've I've just been thinking and praying and, and looking for God to give me answers to this next step in my ministry. And over the last few months, it's hit me. What do I want, the question that's been going over and over, what do I want our students to look like when they step out of this program? And it's very simple. I want them to be a disciple of God. A disciple of God. Now, Ryan Pelliquin pointed out when I put it up here that this is not the greatest writing in the world, and I don't think any of y'all could see it. But... I wanted to put this up here so later when the service is over, you can walk up and try and read it. I am left-handed, and we don't write so well. Um, but this is my vision. This is what I feel God has given me is the vision for our student ministry. And it says this, to create disciples who actively pursue God and who are committed to His people. To create disciples Who go out into the community, no matter what the cost, no matter who makes fun of them, to love others into the arms of Christ. To create disciples who are on a daily basis, searching for God, in His Word, studying and praying and looking at Him the way the disciples looked at Him. You see, if you look back in the Bible, there were many groups of people As Jesus became more and more popular, the more he preached, the more people followed him. Jesus had a ton of followers. People would would follow him and then they would gather around these big lakes and they would wait and they would listen for him to preach. And he had a ton of followers, but he only had a few disciples. People who were truly, truly committed to learning from him. People who were willing to give up everything that they had In order to go out and be with him. To learn from him. To learn God's ways from him. And that's what I want our students to be. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. So as we go through this message. The question that I have for you tonight is this. Are you a follower of Christ? Or are you a devoted follower? Or a disciple of Christ? So if you would... Look with me, please, in Luke chapter 9. Brother Charlie, I did the same message the other week at Augusta Rescue Mission, kind of, sort of. It'll be a little different, so don't fall asleep on me, okay? Luke chapter 9. We're going to start out in verse 23. And there are four things that I want you to see tonight. What Jesus calls us to be, as he calls us to be his disciples. There are four things that I want you to see that make up a true devoted disciple of Christ. And these are the four elements that I hope and pray that when our students move out of our student ministry... These are the four things that I hope they have within them um, as they go on into the world. Luke 9, 23, it says this, Then he, being Jesus, said to them all, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and that of the Father and of the holy angels. There are four things that I want you to see here tonight as we ask ourselves the question, are we a follower or are we a devoted disciple of Christ? There's a pretty good chance. I'm going to tell you a story to kind of build up to what was happening um, when Jesus said these words. Around the year four BC, um, four BC, Jesus probably some people think was about two years old. But around that time, Rome was already occupying Jerusalem, and and the Roman captivity of Jerusalem was pretty harsh. They, they took everything away from them except for their rights to worship. They didn't try to tell them who to worship. And they didn't crush their temple and take that away from them. But they were, they were held captive. I mean, they had to constantly pay taxes. It was just an overwhelming uh, dictatorship that Rome had placed on the Jewish people. And there was a group led by one man. There was a group within the Jewish community um, that, that really was just frustrated and tired of being told by these roman soldiers what to do and and this guy he puts together a group and and he starts challenging them to go out into the roads and and what they would do is these two guys they, they were called zealots this group was called uh, zealots and a zealot is somebody who is extremely passionate about whatever they uh, are, are trying to accomplish they're zealous about it they're just passionate and they want to accomplish their goal and so this group of zealots they began to go out into the roads and they would, they would start a fight. Two zealots would start a mock fight in the middle of the streets. And the Roman soldiers would come up and try to break up the fight because they didn't want a, a big uprising to happen. And so as these Roman soldiers were breaking up this fight, these zealots would turn and they would have little knives and they would stab these Roman soldiers. And then they would run away, hoping that these Roman soldiers would die. And they thought that one by one, soldier by soldier, they could take out these Roman soldiers and dwindle their army who was, looking, who was holding captive Jerusalem. They could dwindle that army down to nothing, and then they could take out the Roman army and take back their city. And that was their plan. And, and so they started doing this. They started taking out these soldiers one by one. And, and then they got a little impatient because it wasn't happening as fast as they had hoped it would happen. And so they became pretty impatient. And, and they, they decided that they were going to try to just overtake the place. That they felt like they had what it took to wipe out the Roman soldiers and be able to retake their city of Jerusalem. Well, they did. They took hold of the city. They, they ambushed these Roman soldiers. And they took back their city. But it only lasted for about one day. Because little did they know that to the north of them was a regiment of Roman soldiers. And they came in, saw what was happening. And they took these zealots. It was about 2,000 of them. 2,000 of them. And they took them. And instead of just killing them in the streets, they instead took them and they hung them on wooden crosses. And they placed them all around the uh, the, the outside wall of the city, or the inside wall of the city. Up and down the streets, they hung 2,000 people and crucified them. Now, I don't know what you know about crucifixion death, but it was excruciating from what I've read. I've never experienced it. It was excruciating, it was painful, and it lasted for days. So here are these zealots, men, some women, mainly men, fathers, uncles, brothers, that are hung on these crosses for their brothers, for their sons, for their daughters, for their nieces, for their nephews to see as they die. They were hung there for the people, for the Jewish people to see as a reminder of them from Rome, don't do this again. And they didn't until AD 66 when the Jewish revolt occurred and then another mass slaughter happened and the Jewish revolt was brought down again. But my point tonight is this. These crosses with these decaying bodies were left left on these crosses so when people would try to sleep at night, they could hear these men crying out in agony. And these crosses were left there. Like I said, as a reminder, don't do this to Rome. So now I bring you to this and Jesus talking here to his disciples. And he's saying basically, hey, guys, guess what? So people, they want to follow me. They want to follow me. They want to see what I'm doing. They want to see these miracles that I perform. Some of them, they just want to follow me because they think that I I will heal them or I'll heal their loved one. They're just kind of following me. But if you really, really want to follow me, if you really, really want to be with me, this is what you have to do. This is the first thing that Jesus says. He says, you have to come with me. You have to come with me. And what that means is that you give up everything. You give up everything. Your desires. You toss them to the side. You no longer live for you. You live totally for God. I would tell our students, you don't live for popularity. I would tell our students, you don't live to please anybody else. All you do is you live for God. You honor your parents because God tells you to honor your parents. You stay away from drugs and alcohol because the Bible says you stay away from drugs and alcohol. I would tell them to stay away from... Pornography, because the Bible calls us to abstain from that type of behavior. And so I ask you these same questions tonight. If you truly want to follow Christ, what are the things in your life that you have to give up in order to become a devoted disciple of Christ? If you truly want to follow Jesus, what do you have to give up? What is separating you from having a devoted relationship with God? What is is hindering you from being able to, to fully give yourself over to Him on a daily basis? Jesus says, come with me. Come with me. Learn from me. I can teach you things that this world will never be able to teach you. I can provide a hope for you that this world can never provide. I can provide a happiness for you that this world will never give you. Come with me. Learn about me. Learn about my Father. He says, come with me. The second thing that Jesus says that a devoted disciple has to do is deny himself. Deny yourself. That is the one thing that we struggle with the most. Denying what we want for what God wants. My friend who I told you about in Tennessee, he used to tell me all the time, I, I, was, I worked with him, well, I didn't work with him, I volunteered with him. I started out uh, helping out with him. At, at Seneca Baptist in my hometown and, and he used to tell me all the time it's not about you it's not about you none of this none of this ministry helping these students none of it it's not about you it's about God see the hardest thing that I struggle with in my life is constantly asking myself Am I doing this for my gain, my glory, or am I doing this for God's gain and God's glory? Do I want the praise for this, or do I want to give that to God? It's a constant question in my own mind. It's something that I struggle with. It's something that that I have to make sure of. Every single time I stand in front of you or my students or anybody else, I have to to make sure within myself that I set myself aside so that God can be seen. Do you have to do that? Do you have to set yourself aside? Because Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants from you. So I say that to those of you who sometimes say, well, guess what? I would really like to help out with that nursery back there. really wouldn't mind serving back there, but I am just so old that I can't get in that floor with those little kids. Well, I think Abraham was a lot older than a lot of you. And I'm pretty sure that Noah was a lot older than a lot of you. And he built a huge boat. And Moses... Yeah, Moses parted the Red Sea and led millions of people out of captivity. It wasn't about them. It was about God. I guarantee you, if God can get you in that floor, he will get you out of that floor when you're back there helping those kids. And if God can't help you out of that floor, then I don't know what it's going to take, but me and Steve will try. <laughs> it's not about us. It's about what we can do for God. It's not about Woodlawn Baptist Church. It's not about filling the seats of Woodlawn Baptist Church. It's about filling the seats of God's house with people who don't know him so that they can know him, so that they can experience him. It's not about us saying, oh, man, I'm too scared to go out there and share with anybody about God. I'm too scared to go out there and invite people to come to church. It's about us out going out there and doing it and allowing God to overcome our fears of doing it so that you can say, hey, I had nothing to do with that. It was all Him. We have to deny ourselves. The third thing that we have to do is this we have to take up our cross. Excuse me. We have to take up our cross. Now imagine this, Jesus is standing with his disciples and they're probably, most likely looking at one of the crosses or a lot of the crosses around the city where once some of their ancestors may have hung. And so they understood fully the suffering of the cross. They knew And when Jesus turned and he said, you have to take up your cross. They knew that that wasn't an exciting thing. They knew that it wasn't happy times ahead. They knew that it was going to be a struggle. He's telling them, the cost of following me is a struggle. And you think about what each one of those disciples went through later in their lives. All but one of them martyred. And the only one not martyred was left on an island to die all alone. Paul, an apostle of Christ, beheaded. Peter was beheaded in the streets of Rome because of their falling of Christ. So many people. I've got a book couple of books in my office that talk about martyrs over history of people who gave their lives to further the kingdom of God and then we have a right to complain that we can't get out of a floor or get in the floor to help with some kids we're too scared to go out and share we don't have time to go out and share? Who are we to say that our life is more valuable than these men who gave up their lives to further the kingdom of God? Who are we not to fight through our struggles? To allow God to carry us through our struggles? To further the kingdom of God? Paul was tormented by a wound in the flesh where heard Tony preach about that last week. One of my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite uh, people to read is Martin Luther. And he was tormented most of his adult life with stomach pains, with worry about his salvation. God was tormented. But he went through it and he worked through it to further the kingdom of God. So taking up that cross, it's not a happy thing. Taking up that cross means we have to work through our fears. I used to have a fear of standing up in front of people. I took a speech class when I was in college And it was one of the first times that I ever stood up in front of a group of people. And when I got up there, I was just shaking like crazy. And I didn't think I was going to finish the speech. But over time, I've gotten over that. We all have fears. But we give them to God, he can work through them. Especially when it comes to furthering his kingdom. We all have hardships and things that we have to go through. But look how much stronger you are as a Christian when you get through them and you know that God brought you through them. Look how much more solid you are, how much more grounded in your faith you become. I have worked with students before. I had a group of students one time where I had about 35 students and about 28 to 30 of them either did not have mom or dad or both. Some of the parents were killed, car wrecks. Some of them had OD'd on drugs. Some of them had just signed away all rights to their kids because they wanted nothing to do with them. I had one student whose dad committed suicide while she was in the room. And she was one of the most faithful Christian girls at 15 years old. She never, never to this day has she allowed that act by her dad to, to conquer her faith. She instead works through that, helps her mom out however she can with her brothers and sisters. She loves on people. She works through her fears. And man, is she solid because of it. I wish I had her faith. So Jesus says, Come with me. Be my disciple. Don't just follow me around looking for me to do something for you. Come be my disciple. It's a strong word a disciple. Be devoted to me. Learn from me. He says in order to do that, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny your wants. I'm not sure when I was a kid if I ever jumped up and down and said, I want to be a minister. When I was a kid, the... Best thing about a minister or a pastor was when he said amen and we were, it was time to go eat lunch. And now I have the kids looking at me saying, would you hurry up? But it wasn't my choice. It wasn't my choice. It wasn't Steve's choice. we have to take up our cross face our fears and allow god to pull us through and we have to do it finally on a daily basis he says take up your cross daily so he's saying the struggles that come with following me they don't come once a month or twice a month or three times a month or once a year or twice a year or three times a year. They don't come every fifth year, every tenth year. No, they come on a daily basis. Following me, you're going to struggle with it on a daily basis. You're going to struggle because you're going to, your body, your, your flesh, your sinful nature, it's going to call you and pull you to do one thing. And, and the teachings that I give to you, they're going to tell you to do something completely different. And it's going to be a constant struggle, a constant battle within yourself. And you're going to have to fight that battle on a daily basis. As soon as you step out of the bed every morning, you are fighting that battle on a daily basis. But if you face that fear with God on your arm, and you are his devoted disciple, he will pull you through it. And one day, one day, you will stand before him, and he will say, great job. You did it on a daily basis. You did it. And as a matter of fact, look at all the people you you impacted. Because you allowed me to guide your life. That's what I want our students to be. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. And I'm not there yet but I'm going to do whatever I can to get there. And I want to do whatever I can to help these students get there. I want to help their parents to help them get there. Because I want them to be disciples. I want them to be leaders. I don't want them to be followers. I want them to lead. And when they're leading, I want them to be led by God. We want to change our world, we change it by pouring our lives into them. We change it by creating disciples. We change it by asking ourselves, are we followers or are we disciples of God? Would you pray with me? (coughs) Father God, tonight, there are so many here, Lord. So many here, so many outside of these walls. God, they have a relationship with you, Lord. But they just really follow you around just to see what you're going to do next. To see, God, what you can do for them. God, my prayer tonight is that we get away from that thought. And we begin asking ourselves the question, what can we do for you, Lord? What can we do to further our walk, our relationship with you? What can we do, God, to bring us into a closer bond with you? What is it going to take? What is it, God, that separates me? What do I have to deny of myself, God? What is separating me from you? God, I'm scared to take that cross. I'm scared, God, to, to, to face the fear of having to share my faith with other people. I'm scared people at work may make fun of me. I'm scared that uh, I won't have the right words to say. God, take all those fears away and help each one of us, Lord, to commit to you on a daily daily basis God that we will pick up that cross and we will place it on our backs and we will will go with you wherever you go God not just to follow you God but to be a devoted disciple of yours to learn from you because the only hope that we could ever have comes from you We can't do anything outside of that. And God, when we learn to be not just followers of you, but to actually be disciples of you, soaking in your message, soaking in your word on a daily basis, and being out into this world, telling people about you, then and only then, God, will anything change? Will anything be different in this world until we stop following and we start devoting our lives to you? God, I pray for those tonight. And I ask that you reveal to those who need to have it revealed to them that they are just simple followers of you and that they need to rededicate this moment. God, they need to take this moment right now and make that decision to rededicate their lives to you, to rededicate their walk to you. Not so that six months from now they have to make the same rededication, but that, but that it's true and it's real right now. And they, they begin to to search you out God in ways they've never searched you out that on a daily consistent basis God they are reading your word they are on their knees praying to you asking you to reveal things to them help us God to become devoted devoted disciples God I pray for those who are here tonight that may not have a relationship with you at all in this moment God do not let them leave this place without being touched by you and healed by your grace. God, we pray these things in the name of our great and wonderful and beautiful and loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to have a...